And with me this morning, as I had talked about our guests from the Mankato Area Public School System, and that is Dr. Paul Peterson. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Karen. It's great to see you. It's good to see you, too. I know uh, things have been very busy. Uh, have we used up all our snow days because <laughs> of the, all the bad weather? I know we've, you had to cancel a few days. Boy, we uh, we had quite a winter, and maybe it's not over yet. But, yeah, we are, we're tapped out. We, didn't, we, we, don't have any, we don't have any room to spare. And Oof. so... We're, uh, we've really been crossing our fingers and toes the last the last two weeks. You know, there's been that uh, possibility of, of significant snow, and, boy, we really were grateful that we didn't have to make any adjustments because we'd be tapping on some of our spring break days, adding on to the, you know, the school year, and nobody wants to be doing that, especially as you turn into the, you know, get into spring here. So how, so do we um, actually have any additional days or are we on schedule now? What are we looking right at? Right now, right now we're good. Um, we did add back March 10th um, because we had um, gone over um, a little bit there. Ah. And so uh, we had school for our elementary kids on that day, which we, was supposed to be a prep day and a conference day. But uh, boy, like I said, we're we're hoping that as we get closer and closer to April, not that you can't have any snow in April, I and mean, oh, we, yeah. we've all seen that. But uh, if if we do get it, hopefully it comes and it goes and it melts, and we can just keep on going because we gotta we gotta keep powering through. And March isn't over yet, by the way, too. And you know, March has a lot of snow. <laughs> just know. just telling you, just saying. I know, yeah. And yeah. The, the forecast, you know, the the thing about the forecast this year is they have been quite uh, accurate. I mean, they yeah. really have. I mean, especially on some of those big days we had in February um, boy we got we got a lot of it and our, our guys were moving a lot of snow in parking lots and sidewalks and the streets here in town I don't, I don't know where they put it all, but but uh, it was really piling up. Oh, and every time it happened, my son Grant would be like, I hope we get seven feet, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that kid loves to shovel snow, so every time oh, well. it snows, he's out there several times a day, and I'm okay. That's what? great exercise, get get outside. And, and I'm glad he likes it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. you got to have somebody like that. Well, the school district's been in the news quite mm-hmm. a bit lately, as you probably know, because you've uh, been busy a little bit, and I know there was an article on the 18th, which was... Um, this weekend mm-hmm. about mental health of students being a struggle. They showed a survey results about the struggles that students are having. And yeah. then, of course, uh, the big headlines on Tuesday were the layoffs expected as the school board approves a budget plan mm-hmm. because you have had to make a significant cut. It's a $9.2 million budget deficit. And we had chatted about that a little before. That they were You were thinking that was going to happen, but it's here. And that's right. Yeah, we're we're here, and uh, our school board just this past week took the took the step to approve the budget adjustment plan. Um, we knew that this school year, uh, our board had made a decision that we are very happy that they did that. We were going to spend down our fund balance, our savings account, to make sure that we uh, didn't have any really seismic cuts for this current school year. We we know that the mental health of our kids, our staff, we needed to really have a strong, and we have had a really strong year of learning supporting kids and their families. And uh, the idea of having a cut, you know, a th- three years in a row cut, we've been we've cut three of the four years here. And uh, this year we just needed to take a break on that. But we knew that that was going to be a one-year pause. And so now as our we, we set our sights for developing next year's budget, that $9 million adjustment just has to be in play. And um, so we've been working on a process over the last few months and uh, on Monday night, the board uh, said, yeah, this, this is uh, as painful as this is. It's important that we get our, uh, the books are balanced as we start July 1st, uh, which will be the start of our fiscal year uh, 2024. And that, the uh, deficit 
is caused by the enrollment decline, correct? Yeah, Mainly, or is there other reasons? Oh, God, yeah, there is. I mean, enrollment is definitely one of those. I mean, we have seen, um, like a lot of regional hubs in Minnesota, across the country, larger school districts have seen um, public school um, enrollment go down, and, and we're no different of that. And so that's a part of it. But what's, re- what's really um, making the cut the size that it is in today uh, today's world is the chronic underfunding of public education, um, and then the the special education costs that are picked up by general fund dollars um, are really two, those are structural problems with how schools are funded. You take those two structural problems and then add on top of that declining enrollment, and you've got yourself a recipe for having to go through something, like I said, uh, pretty painful. Um, But uh, we, we do feel like we have a balanced and reasonable plan that won't just get us through next year, but uh, we're going to make sure that our kids and our families and our community know that we're going to do everything that we can to make next year, you know, the best year that we've had. Um, but it's just, it's really those those elements. And that's why we work so hard with our legislators to make sure that we're making the case for public education. And we need to get that cross-subsidy addressed with special ed. Well, if you look back, a lot of people blame everything on COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it was because of COVID, you know, and, and I mean, that's, a, I think a lot of the uh, test scores and things may have gone down because of COVID. I mean, think of mm-hmm. my own kids, how sure. it, it's learning from home was just not uh, the best thing for them. Yeah. And so I feel like uh, some kids in that era may have lost some of the, I guess, the forward motion mm-hmm. in, in education. Um, did that play any role in the, the budget issues? Because, you know, you say, well, you've got all those subsidies for lunches and things yeah. like that. And so how does that all balance yeah, out? Ab- yeah, COVID, COVID is definitely um, in in play here and is, and is a reality. And, and you're right. I mean, COVID can either be seen as a reason or as an, <laughs> either a reason or an excuse. And, you know, sometimes the difference between those two things get a little blurry. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just no doubt. I mean, the last few years as public schools have tried to follow the rules, you know, work with public health guidelines, work with the State Department, try to keep our kids and our staff safe. Um, Those years, while dollars did come in from the federal government, those were extremely expensive um, years for us. Were they? Yep, as you maintained staffing, as you lowered your class sizes, kept kids apart, um, um, and were trying to really address some of the social emotional things that we saw out of those first that first year or so. Um, and the, the learning challenges, the behavior challenges, the emotional challenges, the mental health challenges. I mean, we really do, and it's not just here in Mankato, but I think regionally, my colleagues around uh, the greater Mankato area, are we, we are seeing our schools rebound. Kids are, um, are not fully back to where they were academically and socially, but uh, teachers report regularly that this year is way different than last year. In and what way? Well, you know, last year was, we all kind of went into last school year thinking, oh, we're all back. Like, let's just get back to work. Everything's normal. Yep. And <laughs> uh, it was not the case. I mean, it really does show how the the regularity and the rhythm of a school day just kind of gets kids and staff, you know, just, you, you just routine. Yeah. get into routine. And when that was disrupted for so many weeks, months, and even over a year, um, the effect of that, as kids came back, um, there there definitely was learning loss um, during COVID, but then also just how to do school. Um, how how do we treat? How, how are you in interpersonal relationships and social relationships in during passing times at middle schools or high schools? And 
if you're at the elementary school, how do you walk to lunch together and not, uh, you know, be pushing and shoving? It's all of that stuff. And so our teachers have had to do triple time work to help get our kids uh, reoriented. Um, and our kids are the, the ki- kids are kids. I mean, they they have incredible resilience skills. And that's, like I said, our teachers and principals have been sharing that, that this year, and our data would show that as well, stronger academic performance um, in the formative um, and in the the grades that we're seeing kids come out of, and also our discipline data is much, much improved uh, since uh, over the last couple of years. You know, another thing, and maybe I'm looking at my own child that's still in high school, um, I feel like when it was covid there wasn't as much accountability because it was always that thing out there. The teacher would say, well, you know, you didn't turn it in. It was sort of, you didn't, they didn't really worry about mm-hmm. it so much because it was COVID and everything was COVID. And so I think at least my own son now, it's like, well, if I don't get it in on time, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking back to me, it's like, well, you got to meet the deadline. And of course, I'm a journalist, so deadlines are important. <laughs> right. But I feel like that has changed in terms of attitude among students, maybe teachers mm-hmm. as well. And getting more chances and maybe that's the thing where you get the participation ribbon yeah. um, era in itself I don't know yeah I think our, I think our teachers would tell you that the transition back to a more traditional sense of expectations and accountability and responsibility uh, for some has been a little tricky and I think that you're you're right Karen when COVID was on the scene and we were doing virtual learning and online and zoom uh, there was a, you know, the, there's a whole lot of grace given to yeah. kids mm-hmm. about, hey, you know, may, maybe keeping to such rigid deadlines and expectations, um, maybe that's something that we can just be a little more um, uh, flexible with. Well, as time has now moved on, mm-hmm. and as w- we do get into then more of the back to more of the traditional ways of schooling, um, it's it, it has been harder mm-hmm. to. Make sure that kids know that accountability and responsibility; those are really strong values. Like it's, and that's not about um, being punitive. It's just understanding how, the way the world works. Right. Like there are things that you have to do. You're going to get a job one day, and <laughs> and you can't just tell your boss like, well, you know, yeah. I don't feel like doing mm-hmm. this. And today. so when you yep, and when you do things, then sometimes there's a reward, sometimes there's a consequence, and and that isn't uh, again trying to be overly punitive. It's just, you know, the action, reaction, cause, effect, all of those life things that schools can help reinforce um, along with families. Um, this, it's, it's, it's not, I, some would call it a massive struggle. Others would say, oh, no, it hasn't been that bad. You know, everyone's a little bit different, and they have different dynamics going on in their personal life. But at schools, I, I, I do think that we're seeing marked improvement from where we were a couple years ago. Well, that's good to know yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's been difficult, yeah. I know, in a lot of cases for whether you're a teacher or a para mm-hmm. or, or any of them that I've heard mm-hmm. talk. And, and I know there are teachers who have given up, and there was a story in the Free Press about yeah. Mr. Mullins, who my son's had as an amazing, amazing teacher, oh, yeah. who just, I mean, got to the point where he just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And I know a couple other uh, school teachers who went into the real estate business sure. because it just got to be too much. And yeah. that is obviously an issue because it's hard to uh, recruit teachers in the first place. Yeah, I mean, our work here at the College of Ed at, at MSU Mankato, um, we work, we literally are talking with MSU folks every single day 
about supporting their incoming crop of uh, teacher candidates. We have a lot of them within our system, um, showing them how we do things. They're bringing in the way that uh, MSU is helping to instruct them to, and support them to be teacher educators. And so as people make the decision to leave the profession, retire, resign, go find something else mm-hmm. to do, we really need to make sure that, the, that, that there's a pipeline. We are really fortunate. I mean, the College of Ed here in town is premier. It, it's it's one of the top two in the state, and um, it's right here in our backyard. But uh, it's it's oftentimes it's about the supply, and we need to attract um, people to the the benefits of being a teacher. There definitely are struggles and challenges, and it is not for everyone because it is uh, it's not a nine to five job. Right. It's not a five day a week job. Um, for people who get into it, it's a passion. It's a vocation. It's something that they believe in their not only their head but in their heart. And um, and what highly effective teachers would say is that if you if you're not all in, then it's it's you're, it's it's going to be a struggle. But I mean, you, I can see where you would get tired too, because now we're talking cuts, and what mm-hmm. that means is there's going to be larger class sizes, mm-hmm. and larger class sizes mean more issues in the classroom just because of the volume and and that sort of thing. So how do you address that as a a school system? Yeah, we're we're really hoping to minimize our class size increases. Um, A lot of our adjustment with our budget is just to right size our staffing to our enrollment. Like, as we said, our enrollment has gone down. And so when you have fewer kids, you need fewer staff members working with those kids. And so, um, yes, there'll be some tweaks that we make to class sizes, but... um, we, we still are seeing, when we compare ourselves to schools in the Big Nine, when we look at our uh, metro area comparisons, and even even schools around us, the small schools around us, our class sizes projected for next year are really um, going to be quite reasonable. What com- is that? Comparatively. What's considered reasonable? Yeah, I so, don't... Yeah, so um, if you look at uh, the elementary grades, you're always looking for, you know, those, those are going to trend smaller sure. than your middle to your high school. But when we look at um, the average class size, say, in kindergarten, we're usually able to keep that between 20 to 25 kids. That's a lot of little kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, thinking of being around little kids. That's, That's right. That's still yep. a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then, and then when you get into intermediate to your middle schools, I mean, you're, you're getting that, you're into the more 26 to 30 range. And then as you get into your high school, you know, 28, 29 plus um, you know, into your mid thirties is is where you're trying to keep those classes. Um, that still seems like a lot to me, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> that's yeah, why I'm not a teacher. Yeah, well, and and that, that's a lot of bodies right? um, in a room, and you know what's really then incumbent on teachers and schools and principals is to make sure that we're designing instruction where kids can work in small groups, they can work independently, they can work um, in in large groups to have a. Uh, you know, positive learning environments. And, and so those numbers, while they may seem a little bit large, they, they may seem large. When we look at those targets that we've set and we compare them, like I said, to our like size school districts and even into the metro, um, we're still uh, quite low. Okay. Which might sound surprising. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it is. Yeah. And I know the legislature has a surplus this year, mm-hmm. which everybody wants a piece of that. That's right. And I recently talked with the president here at Minnesota State University, Mankato, and we have the same issue here with the enrollment decline, mm-hmm. and that means less funds and all that sort of thing. And so you have to make up for it some way. And in our case, you know, whether it's tuition or however, mm-hmm. or cuts, that sort of thing. But 
how, I mean, is there something the legislature can do? Or are you working with them? Or is there any possibilities of them helping out? Or? Yeah, yeah, there is something that they can do, and they just have to. Um, and we, we as public educators have to be unapologetic in making the case that for a strong Minnesota, for a strong economic region, uh, public schools are at the center of that. Um, that's where most of the kids go to school. Those kids be, go into either college or tech school or military, but then they ultimately become workers. And so we need to, and again, our partnerships with MSU, President Inch here at the at the university have been incredible. And, and I think that both the president and myself have talked very uh, specifically about how we can deepen those, whether it's with business partnerships, um, keeping kids who go to school in Mankato, then go to school at MSU Mankato, uh, keeping those kids around mm-hmm. um, because that is our future workforce. But yes, the, the legislature, we've been up there. We were just, we had our school board up to uh, the Capitol on Monday. Um, oh. It was our day at the Capitol and uh, talking with our local legislators who are all very supportive of public education. But we just need to make sure that when we talk full funding of public education, the, uh, addressing the special education underfunding over the last 30 years, um, that when the finance bills get built and then ultimately when those things go to the governor, uh, they get signed. And you probably saw in the paper that the the spending targets did come out from both the House and the Senate yesterday. And um, it, uh, they're looking at a $2 billion investment in public education, which is, uh, that's historic. Is that enough? That will get us on a path here in Mankato. Um, th- those are dollars that we've never seen come. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for those who say, well, gosh, you know, it just feels like we're always spending on schools. Right. Yes, we are. <laughs> we, we are. That is an investment in not only today, but in our future. And as citizens of a state, citizens of a country, um, and here, you know, I feel like I'm the old government teacher here. That, <laughs> that's that's what you, that's what your tax dollars do is support that greater good. And we can have healthy debates about if it's too much or too little, but the reality is that those are investments that uh, we make as a citizenry for our future. Did the new law that was passed about the free lunch for everyone, mm-hmm. is that going to impact us in terms of making some more shortages because all of a sudden you have free lunches that aren't covered by the dollars from the kids? Yeah. No, it won't It won't uh, result in any shortages. Um, the universal meals will uh, come through. So as a, I mean, bottom line is as opposed to asking parents or caregivers to pay the bill mm-hmm. for breakfast and lunches for kids, those bills are going to be paid by the state. So essentially, we are still paying it; it's just in a different way. Right. It's coming it's from taxpayers. Yep. It's coming from this this budget um, that the governor set out. The House and Senate both passed it. The governor signed it last week. Um, that is going to happen starting next school year, and so it will just take away any of the concerns about kids not having money in their lunch account, parents. Uh, forgetting to put money in their lunch accounts, you know, any of the lunch shaming things that we, you know, those terrible stories that you hear across yeah. the nation about kids going up to the line and, oh, you don't have any money, so they throw the tray away. That's all um, That's all silliness. we got to move away from that, feed the kids, and get them back to class. Well, you know, one of the, I don't remember which one it was, but one of the legislators says, well, I've never seen any hungry kids. And I just thought, wow. Um, and you were in the schools. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. You know, just because you don't see them in your neighborhood necessarily doesn't mean it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that uh, that comment aside. I mean, we y- you never truly know what's the, going on. The story of yeah. the people around you, and so we either can make up the stories in our heads with uh, positive intent or uh, assuming the best in people, or we can tell stories about how they 
how, how they probably don't have it as bad, or they, I'm sure that they're fine. Right. Um, and so schools, and when kids show up, our teachers can see hunger. That that show that's not bellies grumbling. Sometimes it might be. Yeah. But when kids are hungry, that means they're not focused. They're not focused. They might be antsy. They might be irritable. They, angry. I'm, well, I get hangry, hangry if I get hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so all of those things. I mean, and that can happen at the earliest of preschool, all the way up to being a senior. And especially when you talk about high schoolers and middle schoolers, they're certainly not going to be coming to school and to bring out the fact like, uh, we don't have any food at our house and I don't have any money in my account. So can I, that, that there's pride factors all over the place mm-hmm. with things like that. Universal Meals removes that as a barrier to learning. Um, we know that there are other ones too, but but uh, the the fact that the the governor was supportive of this and the House and Senate passed it, we'll implement it next year. So when it happened during COVID, a lot of the lunches were covered. Mm-hmm. That was a, something. Did you notice any difference with uh, offering breakfast and lunches? That any changes in the kids or things that were going on? Our breakfast um, participation went through the roof. Really? Yeah. Um, and we would expect that that will happen. I mean, the anticipation is that that will happen again as those um, are free. Mm-hmm. And um, lunch participation, I mean, with free meals, I, I, I think the guess is is that we'll have more kids eating mm-hmm. uh, school, uh, school lunch. And I, I mean, I remember when, way back in, when I was in school, uh, my mom made my lunch. You know, I, I, was, I was a brown bag lunch guy. Oh, I had a PBJ and carrots <laughs> every day, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that mom did that because it was cheaper than the school lunch. You know, or, you know she had figured out our family budget and said, I'll just make the lunch. Sure. The, the the fact that now parents know that they aren't preparing those, they don't, they're not purchasing groceries to then prepare lunches for their kids, um, I'm, I'm assuming that we'll see an uptick. Yeah. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. Uh, mental health is a, a still a struggle. And, you know, the district has brought in, thanks to the Hofner family, uh, the speaker to talk about uh, suicides mm-hmm. and mental health in school. And it's still a struggle. There mm-hmm. was a survey that just came out, and it says the survey results were similar in the state and as well as in the Mankato School District. Let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about those results. What sure. did they show? Well, um, what, what they showed, and I thought that the article in the Free Press really hit, um, hit well, is th- um, while COVID and while the pandemic years absolutely had an impact, mental health, mental illness, um, and addressing social emotional concerns with kids have been with us for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether kids are taking these surveys at the sixth grade level, the ninth grade level, or at the 12th grade level, um, kids k- kids are self-reporting that this is a thing. And whether it, physical illness, aside, that's different than a mental illness. Mental illness sometimes is very hard to it's hard to see. Well, well, back, you know, I was thinking back when we were a kid, we never talked about mental health. We didn't mm-hmm. know what mental health was. So we might have had some severe problems or something, but mm-hmm. we never would classify it as mental health. But mm-hmm. as we become more educated, I think that's why it's probably more reporting as well. Yeah. You know, Karen, I was really proud of our school board because as they started on this journey and we started with our board to say that we needed to make this $9 million adjustment for next year. And we asked our school board to put, put down the parameters, give us the framework and really ask them what should be off the table. Um, and there was very little. Our board said, be bold, be creative, don't take anything off the table, but be very careful and be very sensitive to the mental health needs of our kids and staff. 
And so mental health was kind of a, a, a theme that we continued to talk about through all of those teams. And at the end of the day, when it comes to therapists, social workers, counselors, um, uh, health offices, those are really areas that we did not touch in that $9 million adjustment. And that is a reflection of what um, the Minnesota Student Survey says, what our teachers, principals, coordinators, counselors, are, and our families are telling us is kids need additional support. Yes, they need academic support. Yes, they need career and college readiness support and planning for their future. But we also need to be really, really mindful of the mental health it's not always illness. It's just the mental health of people mm-hmm. as growing children. And that's what we're talking about here is just growing children um, up to um, the time they leave us when they graduate. Now, while you're not making any cuts in that area, do we have enough assistance or help or counselors or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you need to help that area? Yeah, never enough. Um, we, we are very fortunate here in Mankato that counseling and social work are strongly staffed, um, but Strong staff doesn't mean fully staffed. I right. mean, we, we, we're doing everything that we can, and we have multiple social workers and counselors across the system. We're very hopeful. Uh, there is a proposal in the governor's education plan that would target dollars to public schools for those very positions. Um, and we will be there. As, if that gets signed into law, we will be um, making our application because uh, that's an un- that, that, that's that's something that we will always need. And we've, we've got great partners, too. The Greater Mankato United Way is funding a mental health navigator mm-hmm. this year that's helping fa- connect families to community resources because not all the services happen in the schools. We have great providers in Ma- the Mankato area. Our families just need to know about them. They need help with the paperwork, and we got to expedite that process. The United Way has helped us fund a position, and we're hoping uh, and we're excited that that might be expanding to a couple positions here in the near future. Because one of the, the issues that I've heard about is while we have some great resources, sometimes you can't always access uh, them in a timely manner. Yeah. And th- in that case, a day or two can mean the difference between life and death for some. And I think that's an issue that I've been hearing more and more about as well. Yeah. And it's interesting how, I mean, the economy is like really integrated within our communities, the, like the size of a Mankato. And so the labor shortage doesn't just hit schools. It doesn't just hit teachers and paras and principals and all that. It also hits what you just described, the health services, the mental health services. So we have students and families who need uh, intervention. And the very labor shortages that we're talking about are also happening with mental health supports. And so we need to continue to all work together on those fronts. And um, and I think that, you know, we're, we're ripe to do it. We've got a great university here in town. We also have other colleges. And it's just a matter of making sure that the, the roles that people are going into meet regional demands. And, um, and I, think, I think we're getting there. Paul, we are almost out of time. So I wanted to, to talk about the opportunity for people to weigh in. The district is going to be starting to hold presentations uh, in coming weeks. So is that something the public can weigh in on or, or what are, are those more the school board folks or what, what's happening? So our school board is going to be hosting um, school board over the pat- this, this winter have been holding some coffee conversations with community members. They're going to hold their next one at the end of this month um, at my place. 
Um, that's and so we'll be doing a news release out at your uh, house. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Okay. My, <laughs> Paul's Mankato <house>. Youth <laughs> Place. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a great program. Aaron uh, Simmons does a fantastic job running that. Uh, and Where is that at? Actually, I don't even know. Yeah, it's over um, on Broad Street. Okay. Um, which I'm, I'm I thought maybe I, I could get the exact. Um, Let me look it up. But address. Well, but so is it anybody welcome, or is that a certain? No, that's a that's a coffee conversation. It's going to be after after school hours, and so maybe coffee might not be um, on the deal. But our board really wants to make sure that we're they're holding their listening sessions out within community, and so uh, my place is a is a great partner of Mankato School District, seven hundred nine South Broad Street. There it is. There we go. Yep. Um, and uh, so yeah, the the community is always in, in invited to. Uh, to engage with our board and uh, yeah, look at, looking forward to seeing some people out there. So when is that coming up? That is coming. That's going to be at the end of this month. Okay. Um, all the details on that will be uh, are on our ISD77.org okay. website. All right. Anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? I appreciate all you know talking about it. It's not a easy topic. Anytime you're making budget cuts, yeah. it affects people's lives, and I mean that's it's going to be not. Um, it's not a happy time for some people. Right, right. This is it's it, it, it's it's painful. It's it's going to readjust a lot of different things or adjust some of the things that we're doing. And at the same time, we're going to come out of this strong financially, which then that financial strength is going to help us build stronger programming and services for kids as we um, help move them along their educational journey. So we'll uh, we're, we're confident about the future. Well, we will chat with you again, as we always do, just to kind of update and see how things are going. So thank you so much to Dr. Paul Peterson, the superintendent of Mankato Area Public Schools. Thanks, Karen. Appreciate it.